Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. This is the portion that we did not cover last week, and then we're going to read 25 through 34. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. Can't serve both. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns yet, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or Gentiles, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Sermon on the the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And as a subtitle I've given, as we continue from last week, the theme where you should put your long-term investment, where you should put your long-term investment. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, verses 13 and 15. Luke 12, verses 13 and 15. Tanika, would you please get Philippians 4, 6 for me? And I'll have you read that when I read Luke 12. 13 and 14. And if you want to read fuller later on for Luke, write down Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. It gives some of the same details as this passage in Matthew with some slight variations. But Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 15. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Tanika, would you read Philippians 4, 6? Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, 
Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. As we read last week, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Keep going. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Chapter 28 of Proverbs, verse 19. Proverbs 28, verse 19. And this is what it says. He who works, his hand will have abundant food. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Point one, let me just say this about verse 24. To be wholly under the control to something. Verse 24, it talks about being, when we think about it, it means to be under the complete control of. So when the Bible says no one can serve two masters, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. To be wholly under the control to someone or something. That's what it means. It speaks of a slave, as I mentioned last time, a slave relationship. It means that you must be devoted. When one thinks about being devoted to two things, Oftentimes it's hard to be, to be loving that which belongs to God and loving that which is of the world. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. I hear sometimes on TV and other people, God says money is the root of all evil. No, he didn't. The love, when our whole desire and our whole purpose in life is pursuing money, the Bible says, The love of that pursuit, when we are only pursuing that and not rich towards God, it is the root of all kinds of evil. Out of the love of money comes and springs so many different things. A person says, how much is enough? And a person says, just a little bit more. If I was to tell you that there was $50,000 in your bank account, what would you say? Hallelujah, if I can have just... A little bit more. Father said, you've got $100,000 in your bank account. You say, bless the Lord. If I can have just a little bit more. People have not learned to be content with what they have. It doesn't make a difference how much a person has. It still can I have just a little bit more. As I mentioned last week, that the media and people have given people that are rich or wealthy, they've given them a bad rap. That somehow, because they have attained and they have possessions, that they sneer and look at them as something evil or something is wrong. When we consider, as I mentioned, God has given some people abundant wealth. God has not given everybody everything. There were rich people that came out of Israel, In fact, when you think about it, everybody didn't have the same thing that came out of Israel, out of Egypt, rather. I said Israel, I meant Egypt. 
Everybody didn't have the same thing that came out of Egypt. Our world wants to make everybody the same. You make this, I should make exactly this. No. You see, there are some people who don't want to do the work. But they want to get the benefits of. Hard work pays off. Hard work can be a blessing for those who have invested their time and their energy. And it can also be a curse. Because sometimes when a person just works only for what's in this life, on, in, on this side of eternity, it will never satisfy the soul. You cannot love God and money at the same time because they're going in two separate directions. And yet the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the group that Jesus oftentimes was disputing with, they loved money and would sneer at Jesus when he would talk to them. Jesus is not some, as I told you, some poverty-stricken God. He owns everything. There's nobody who owns more than God. If God was such against wealth, he would not have given wealth to anybody in the Old Testament, anybody throughout the Bible. There's times so when a person has, people say, they should give me some of that. Why? What did you do to earn it? When we think about tragedy and poverty and certain things that happens to people at times, it is often the Christian community that will help to meet the need. I told you many times, I told you, not even just long, not long ago, down in the south, my grandparents, even my parents, take this plate, take this meat over to such and such. Take this plate down the street. They cut up some meat, and everybody down the road, down the block would get some of that meat. And yet they didn't have much. And their question, well, what are we going to do? God will provide. That's what many of the old saints lived on. God will Provide. Point number one. Worry, unfortunately, unfortunately, a constant companion to the saints. Worry, unfortunately, a constant companion to the saints. And because my time is far spent, I'm going to go through some of these a little quicker. In verse 25 in the King James Version, the word thought... It says in the NIV, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. The King James says, do not give thought. The word thought in the King James means anxiety. It means to be worried about. That word thought in the King James means to have anxiety or worry or to fret. Worry was never meant to be a tag-along companion to the believer. Worry was never meant to be your partner in crime. Well, if you're in crime, it is to be your <laughs> concern. <laughs> See, the worry is something that is to be attached to the unbeliever. And when Jesus is talking about this and telling the crowd, guess what? He is talking to the very people who didn't have much. He talks to them and lets them know. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink about your body. This was the very thing that they were concerned about because they didn't often have much of it. And so Jesus goes to the very essentials of life, the things that a person needs and tells them, 
don't worry. This matter of worrying does not mean that there are not there are, that, that there are not people living in abject poverty. There are people living in poverty today. There's enough food, there's enough stuff on this earth to meet every need. Jesus had put people here to help others. He's made the provisions for this world. And let me just say this. Sin is a problem in the hearts of people, and sin also has affected the land. Some of those that were listening, Jesus, as I said, goes to the heart of the matter, and he's telling them the very thing that they're concerned about, you are not to worry. And when you look at verses 25 through 34, you will note something interesting. Almost every verse is a negative. Not to worry. Don't fret. And, and he's telling them this. In zero verses, he's talking about worry, worry. It is not to be something that the Christian does, but we do it constantly. Most people are not just so much worrying about today, the they're worrying about tomorrow. When the day starts, they're already focusing about the next day. Verse 26, Jesus gives an example. Look at the birds of the air. Some of you, Bible in Luke says ravens, crows. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus gives this creation, gives this example from God's creation, that the birds, they don't sow, they don't go plant, and they don't go reap after they plant it, and yet they go out every day and they get their food. I see a hawk almost every day that I leave my house. When I was a youngster, I could tell a hawk that was three miles in the air, I could tell you what type of hawk it was. It was always a red-tailed hawk, no matter what kind of hawk it was. <laughs> red-tailed hawk. What kind of hawk is that? That's a red-tailed hawk. <laughs> birds sitting on the, on the wires. Now look at that. And I just have always had a fascination with birds. And I've noticed as I'm driving by, they're looking down in the bushes. Just sitting there, perched on the wire. And I've seen them at times when I'm going by, all of a sudden, dive down into the ground. And boy, I want to start real back to see, did he get it? And that bird will sit there in patience and wait. And he knows it's only a matter of time before what he's looking for will come through there. And if it doesn't come... At that time, he'll be back in the evening. But he's learned to depend upon it. He's not out there sowing. In other words, what is Jesus saying? The creature, God's creation, which is less valuable than you, gets up and gets started and goes out, and he is willing to do what's necessary to get something that he does not even sow or reap. For he just goes out and trusts that it's going to be there. And Jesus in this pair, in this, in this sermon on the mount, is given this example to show what is the Christian supposed to be like? What's their thought? Jesus is saying, if I can take care of the birds of the air, 
what in the world are you doing worrying when I care so much more about you than I do about them? You are much more important, and yet I take care of them. I tell you, you don't see no birds out there worrying. Got feathers coming off them. They got stress. And, oh, my God, what am I going to do today? I've been up since, since dawn, and I don't know where my breakfast is. No, they're out there doing what they need to do. And yet, when it comes to believers, oh, I don't know how the Lord's going to take care of me. I'm just in so I've been stressed all day long. I don't know where my next meal coming from. God has a way of doing incredible things. Just when you're thinking, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. There's time when a person is knocking on the door. I just decided I was going to bring you a meal. You came across my heart today. You open the door, there's a package on the, on the door. Say, where did this come from? From Anonymous. Just put it there. Lord, look at Jesus. God will do that for his people. Those that trust in God, God does some incredible things. He likes doing things that will blow your mind. And he's trying to let his people know, the people that's there. He's going to the heart of the concern. Those that have a relationship with God have no business worrying about if God's going to take care of them. Does it mean all your wants? He'll meet your needs. We often learn many lessons from God's creation that don't have the ability to think through how God has blessed them. They just respond by instinct. God has given us a mind and he showed us over and over again how he's going to take care of us. And you know what we do? We'll take God's blessing, how he's blessed and bless him that day and start up the next day. I don't know what's going to happen today. We go right back to that same spot as if God has not met our needs. The value of one person is more valuable than any animal. Tell you, animal activists, animal rights people, I think they are, some of them are out of their mind. Some of them, not all, some. See that commercial on TV? I turn the sound off sometimes. Got those poor looking animals come on TV and want you to gift to them. They got the animals looking all so sad. Got the link. I just turn that, turn the channel. I don't see them doing that for babies. I don't see them doing that for certain others, but they're going to they gonna do it for them animals. They'll, 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 would you send a donation to these, these animals? And I'm thinking... And that commercial going and on. I turn back. It's been three minutes. It's still on. Why this commercial taking so long? <laughs> Get back to my show. <laughs> God made the animals. We are to take care of them. But animals don't come above people. Jesus did not come to Calvary to die for a chicken. He didn't. He didn't come to die for some of them mice that's running down south side. He came to die for you and me. I know some of you might think he came to die for, for an animal, but he didn't. He came to die for you. And if he came to die for you and me, he will definitely meet your needs. Let me hurry on through here. 
Who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Do you not know that when you worry, it never does your body any good? What it does do, stress will come about because you worry. Your hair can fall out if you worry too much. All kind of stuff. Stress causes problems. Now, it's not because we don't live in a stressful time and situation. What the Lord is talking about here, not that problems are not going to come up. We know problems happen. But it is this persistence around anxiety and worrying of how am I going to make it with the necessities. And Jesus deals with food. He deals with drink, things that are necessary for life, and he deals with clothing. These are essentials when we think, you have to have food to live. And he says, don't worry. How many of you can add a single hour to your life? You can't add no time to your life. You can take it away. You're not adding. And the idea comes from even when one thinks about adding life, in, in this way, it thinks about, in, in a different passage, I think in Luke, it talks about time, but, but adding stature. You see, when it talks about a cubit, it's about 36 inches. It was the idea of the tip of the finger to the elbow. In other words, you cannot, by worrying, add even a foot and a half to your stature. You can't make yourself grow. I must have worried too much because I stunted at about 5'4". That was it. God says, that's it. I've sometimes got to put some heels on to get a little bit taller. <laughs> but I'm not growing no more. You cannot worry yourself into growing. You cannot worry yourself into getting more time on this earth. Jesus says, how many of you, he asks the question, can worry yourself and add time? You can't do it. So why worry, he says. And yet the Christian... The Christian majors in worrying and minors in trusting God. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. Flowers. They don't labor or spin. What is he saying? This is not cultivated flowers. When he says, look at the flowers of the field, he's talking about flowers that grow wild. Not the ones in your backyard that you talk to and pamper and cut and speak to and say that your speaking is helping them grow because you're loving on them? No, no, no. He's talking about the flowers, and he's talking about the things that are growing wild. Look at how God even takes those, and he takes care of them. And then he compares Solomon to that. Even Solomon, in all of his glory, all of his vastness, how rich he was, all the clothes he had, it didn't, it didn't even come, couldn't even compare, didn't even come close. To a flower in the field. All of Solomon's wisdom and all the things that he could make. A wild flower. When you put that under a microscope, you're going, oh my goodness, look at that beauty. And then it says, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. What's the idea? You see, people would use the flowers and those things for fuel. They would go and put them in the stove or to help heat stuff up. They're taken and it's burned up the next day. All that beauty. God takes care of the flowers and tomorrow they're gone. Something happened just the other day. My wife has, as you know, she likes plants. Some of y'all didn't like know that. I tell you that when I go to do barbecuing, 
I have to give advance warning when I go when I go to the back. Because I have to have part of the table cleared. I have to have a walkway. And lo and behold, out of 3,000 plants and bushes out there, or plants and flowers, I won't say bushes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to erase this part of the message so she don't hear it when she listens. <laughs> Not teasing. <laughs> I will inevitably step on a flower pot. And oftentimes in that pot, I'm thinking to myself, do I tell her or do I not tell her? Well, she noticed because somehow she's growing a seed there, so she's going to notice. Did you step on one of them? Oh, hey, I meant to tell you. <laughs> I stepped on and, and uh, yeah, and it fell over. You just didn't move it over far enough when, you, when I was going out there. <laughs> but she loves flowers. She loves plants. But even with all of that not only did Solomon not have the beauty of a flower his clothing whatever he had those plants that grow will go away but something happened there was a plant she put on the table a rose it was completely closed up thinking wow the next day came downstairs that rose had opened up it was beautiful I was thinking how in the world could that happen so quickly? The very next day, as if it seemed like it was, it just had, with this purchase, it was like no way it could have, you know, opened up and become that beautiful. But overnight, that rose bush, that plant had just completely opened up. It blew us away of how quickly it was. And then pretty soon after, started to die. God is able to take care of that of his creation, which is here today and gone tomorrow. It's, it can take care of it. And then he says to you, why do you worry? If I can take the plants of the field and take care of them, be out of here in five minutes. You know, some of you got to get home and watch the 49ers if they're not already playing. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But the Bible says, seek first, seek first. Two things it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, when the Bible talks about seeking first the kingdom of God, do you not know what that means? It means that you are seeking God's rule. It wants God's rule. The kingdom is God's rule. And when we talk about his righteousness, it is that I will obey the commands that God has given. Remember the, the, what we say the Lord's Prayer, but which is really his high priest, not his high priestly prayer, the disciples' prayer. It is a prayer that he taught those on the mount. Remember what, what Jesus said to them? Thy kingdom come. Thy will, may your rule, God come. May your rule come. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added. I don't even have time to keep going. I'm going to have to stop here. But let me do this. When you look at this verse, it is taken from a a time that dealt with measures, how a person 
were, they were using measures to weigh out grain, let's say, and deals with a seller and a buyer. You see, a seller would give a person this amount of whatever it might have been in this scale. They would measure it out. And then so, so that they would be sure, not only did they meet the requirements, they would add more just for good measure, just to make sure they had enough. So when the Bible is talking about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added, it's taken from this idea of one that's a seller and one that's a buyer. That the seller pours in and then he pours in even more as a surplus that the person does not even pay for. It's just added as extra value. That's what God is saying. He is saying that I'm going to add to you that which is just extra. So you're worrying about that which is food and drink and all that. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you seek that my rule come and then you obey me, man, I'm going to just add this on as extra. I'll just add it to the package and bless you abundantly. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We want his rule, and then we're going to do what God says. We're going to obey him. And he says, when you do that, I'm going to then take care of you. You, you, you see, i got to end. The Lord is in the business of taking care of those that are his. When you don't get what you feel you need, you need to look and take an evaluation of your own life. Worry does not belong to the Christian. Yes, we worry. Yes, we fret. Why? Because it is an indication that we don't believe God. And do you not know that worry is sin? When you tell God it just can't be done, you're telling God you can't do it. I'd rather trust myself. That's what worry does. Worry takes from God and says, I'm putting it back on me because I do a better job myself worrying about it. No point you taking it, God. I'll do it myself and worry and fret and have all types of anxiety. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. That's the only verse in all, from chapter 6, 25 to 34, the only verse that sums it all up, that's positive. It places everything right there of seeking, and it will deal with all of the worries that you've been dealing with or that you have had, seeking first his kingdom. So let me say this in conclusion. What are you worried about right now? What's been causing you to lose sleep? What's been causing you to, have fret, to, be, to fret? What's been causing you all types of anxiety? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? You see, because worry is actually saying, oh, what can I do? And it is always looking to the future. And let me say this in verse 34. It deals with the aspect, verses 31 and 34, deals with the same thing. Don't even start worrying. That's what those verses mean. It, it is dealing with something that is even the potential that you are about to do. Don't even go there, it seems. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't even go there. Don't even start worrying about it. Let it go and put your trust in God. If God made you, he knows how to take care of you. 
And the fact that none of you seem to be missing meals or drinks or anything like that, I think you're doing okay. The fact that I see you, you seem to be healthy. I think that God is providing for you. Bow your heads. Lord, as we conclude today, may we know that worry is a sin. Worry is taking the reins out of your hand. And it is saying that I can do a better job than you. But Lord, worry shows our lack of trust and faith in you. So for the believer, Lord, we are praying today that that will not be our life nor legacy. We pray today that we will learn to turn things over to you and that we will seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Put first those things that should be given to you. Put first those things that go to you. You own everything, so help us to give to you. Not saying, oh, I can't give that. I don't know what's going to happen. God said seek first. That means if we put you first, you take care of all the rest. And you will add in, Lord, you are able to give much more than we're able to give. But we give, Lord, and we come because we love you. Not because what we can get, but because you have been so good already to us. Help us to have the right attitude, the right perspective when we come before you. We love you today and we praise you. And whatever thing that any of us may be worrying about right now, may we hold fast to verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these things, just for good measure, all these things that, Lord, we need will just be at it. Because God, that's the God that you are. We pray today that we will remember and think back of all the things that you've done, how you've taken care of the animals and taken care of the flowers and you take care of the things in nature. The fact that you came to die for us and give us life and then you hold eternity for us with you. How can we worry when we have, Lord, given, and to, when we have, Lord, put our treasure in heaven, may we truly have our treasure there. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you this week.